Welcome to EdPod, connecting educational research and classroom teaching with Drs. Eric Claraval and Darren Battaglia. Episode 1, Teaching Disciplinary Literacy. everybody. Uh, this is um, Eric Claraval and my partner here, Darren Vitalia, and um, this is our first podcast series. So for this series, we're going to talk about teaching disciplinary literacy to adolescents. Um, and there's this article that um, we recently read um, that was published in the Harvard Educational Review in 2008. And the the authors of this article are Timothy Shanahan and Cynthia Shanahan. Yeah, so I was interesting interested, Eric, because you chose this article and you mentioned it before we were started recording. Um, but this is really exciting. I'm glad we can do this podcast. But you were saying about why you chose this to start off with this article because it's ten years old now. True. Uh, I mean, this is a uh, I, this is a, a little bit dated. Um, you know. Since 2008, a lot of things have happened and, and there's a lot of um, articles that have published um, um, that talks about um, disciplinary literacy in science and math and history. But I think it's worth mentioning this article because it's, it seems like this is, this is like a seminal uh, paper that Shanahan and Shanahan um, wrote and it, it's still a lot of a lot of the information that that they discuss in this article are still relevant to the current practice of disciplinary literacy what i really noticed right from the beginning because i still hear it all the time you know being a classroom teacher is the emphasis from um other teachers from workshops I go to from district administrators. Um, I hear over and over again those magic words, you know, we need to be, you should teach reading across the curriculum. And that's one of the things they kind of start off saying about what a failure that's been and trying to get people to see that way. And it's not even really, not necessarily very effective that literacy is different in different disciplines. Yeah, you know, you know, I like the way they started um, the article that they they sort of like the predicate the importance of of reading in content area classes. Um, they mentioned that every teacher, a teacher of reading. I think that's an important philosophy that that all teachers should embrace. Whether you're teaching math, teaching science, or social studies, um, you are a reading teacher because you're developing students' understanding of, 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 of historical concepts or scientific concepts and, and ma- mathematical concepts. But I think that's what I sort of reject or, or, or I hear a lot of people rejecting this idea of, you know, being a teacher of reading is something very different because that has meant to me, you know, being a teacher of, of literacy, of those basic building blocks of reading, of comprehension, comprehension strategies, of, of you know, um, phonemic awareness even, 
And at secondary, you know, secondary teachers, we don't have the tools. We were never trained to do those things. And all of a sudden, you know, we're told, well, we got to get the reading scores up. So now you're a reading teacher as well as a math teacher. And it doesn't seem like a realistic expectation upon us. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, um, you mentioned that because um, when we talk about what we, you know, let's, let's dis- define what is disciplinary literacy first before we kind of delve more into the nitty gritty of literacy development. Well, according to Timothy Shanahan and Cynthia Shanahan, um, disciplinary literacy is an advanced literacy instruction embedded within content area classes such as math, science, and social studies. So what you mentioned earlier about phonemic awareness, um, fluency, it is part of literacy development, but it is not within the purview of disciplinary literacy. In fact, in the article, they kind of like explain this certain hierarchy of increasing specialization of literacy development that phonemic awareness that you mentioned earlier is part of that basic literacy. And this is not what disciplinary literacy is all about. So I agree with you that phonemic awareness is within the purview of of language arts teachers, okay? And then, Mm -hmm. then this hierarchy moving up from basic literacy to intermediate literacy. So what do we mean by intermediate literacy? So according to the article, uh, intermediate literacy covers literacy skills common to many tasks, including generic comprehension strategies, common word meanings, and basic fluencies. And I think this is this is the the beginning of, of disciplinary literacy because we need to develop reading comprehension in and what how you know my, my first question is how does reading comprehension look like in science, in mathematics, in 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 social studies? This is where the discipline specializes its own understanding of how literacy skills are applied to, for example, in history, if the students are reading primary and secondary sources, what kind of reading comprehension skills do they need to fully understand the perspective of of uh, of the authors or 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 the writers of the primary secondary sources? What are some of the uh, ways that they need to understand the corroboration of facts for them to be able to um, explain the different perspectives in history? I, I just feel like time and time again, when I as as a teacher, you know, as a classroom teacher. That's so much where it ends in, in terms of the expectations on on me. It's in the so so in this article they have that um, you know I'm looking at it now. There's a sort of a, a framework that you describe where there's those basic literacy foundations, mm-hmm. uh, and then the intermediate literacy, which which you just described, but then the dis- disciplinary literacy that's you know, more specific to each discipline. But you know I I feel like you know, I've been told this, and the expectation is, as a as a uh, subject specific teacher, um, students struggle with many uh, much of the reading, and um, uh, because they 
don't have common word, word meanings. They don't have basic fluency like the, those intermediate skills are. Mm-hmm. And so there's an expectation that those are the things I should be doing. And not getting to those disciplinary literacy skills. And maybe it's because I'm coming from this sort of intermediate middle school, high school background. I think it's it's also because the the way we frame science or math or social studies, um, we're still in this tr- traditional mode of teaching where we just focus on facts, we just focus on concepts rather than, you know, what are some of the tools that the kids could use to access the concepts right. in the text? And I think one of the most important components of digital literacy, uh, not digital literacy, but but disciplinary literacy is is the way how the, the complex forms of text organization and I, I think that's an important concept that that science teachers, math teachers need to understand. Mm-hmm. And um, because if the kids have this schema of of text organization, for example, in science, that you know that there is you know causes and effects um, in the text. So then that's, that's, it's easy for them to understand the way science works, or, you know, the, the process of scientific inquiry. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. No, yeah, it does. You know, as they are able to make sense of uh, many of those concepts and as they're able to make sense more of the text, um, then they are able to make more sense of the content itself. One thing that I really liked the, their their use of the term cognitive endurance mm-hmm. um, while they're while their reading uh, reading comprehension goes up. I, I love that term about how they're able to um, increase their cognitive endurance over over increased reading uh, ability. Anyways, right because it, it it is a different way of reading as opposed to when you read literature. There's just so many uh, specific vocabulary words that that you need to grapple with for you to be able to understand, for example, how certain elements in or chemical elements work in the physical realm. Yeah, and so as they mentioned, as the reading skills go up that pyramid there are higher levels of abstraction that students have to understand and mm-hmm. so the it becomes more difficult and something that i struck out that, that struck me especially they they say um there's something specifically that makes these skills very difficult to learn and that they're rarely taught like you mentioned so if there's certain physics physics concepts that aren't taught very frequently, then how do they learn the associated literacy skills that go with it? Which made me think, you know, is it necessarily important to learn some of these things if they're very rarely taught? But as they go down for they also make the connections with uh, the differences between elementary school literacy and middle and high school literacy. Yeah, I saw that table, and it's a very interesting table. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fascinating, especially the difference between federal support for reading instruction. I had mm-hmm. no idea that the reading first 
uh, program at the elementary level, there was $5 billion put into that. And for secondary literacy instruction, there was something called striving readers and only $30 million was uh, put in for that. I've never even heard of striving readers. Had you? No. Well, it just, it just um, tells you that, that really the focus of, of this funding and, and, and it, it reflects in research and the way we channel our effort to develop literacy skills is really in the elementary school. So this is problematic because why is it until now we're still having problems in middle school and high school that all these kids are still struggling to access complex texts in math, complex texts in science and social studies. You know, this this idea of vaccination, right? This concept of reading vaccination that if we focus more on early um, intervention and, and develop the foundation, the future will will take care of it. Or, or, or the foundational skills will take care of the future. Right. But in, in reality, it's not. So this is where, you know, even 10 years ago, um, there is this huge clamor that we for we have forgotten that adolescents are still learning how to read and write and and the focus of of federal funding and research or if you know was was channeled through through the development of early reading interventions and elementary literacy skills the other part of that table that interested me too was the part about parental involvement. And, you know, of course, parental involvement at elementary school is just greater when compared to secondary school, anyways. But right. I just think about talking to parents about the reading ability of their students at middle and high school. It's just not spoken about. And if you do, um, then it's something, it's, it's, it's something shameful. It, well, I think. It, it, there's a real stigma attached to be have to mm -hmm. say, you know, in seventh grade that your 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 child isn't able to sufficiently read right. our science text. Well, again, again, it goes back to this um, understanding that um, once the child has developed fluency skills in reading, he's going to be able to navigate, you know, uh, middle school and high school literacy but that's not the case yeah. and okay. and then and, and even for parents they still need to support their kids in in middle school and high school to 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 learn how to um to read and access information and this is the whole rationale why we need to focus on disciplinary literacy mm -hmm. well maybe it's something we're hiding then because we do have you know we give test scores you know we have smarter balance or whatever types of test scores that are subject specific but that doesn't have any weight in terms of the literacy in that subject right i i think with with the standards that you know certain standards are, are more um that require more reading even in math but there's no when students when when teachers get or when parents get um, test scores back, which is their only measure, really, of kind of in a standardized statewide way of how their child is doing. I don't mm -hmm. think they would know, well, my child probably doesn't have that disciplinary literacy skill 
in math or in science in order to achieve higher. Well, since you mentioned about math, so might as well talk about how does disciplinary literacy look like in mathematics? And I want to quote, you know, this um, this article um, on page forty nine, mm-hmm. and 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 they said that math reading requires a precision of meaning, and each word must be understood specifically in service to that particular meaning. In fact, the other mathematicians noted that. It sometimes took years of rereading for him to completely understand a particular proof. So I, I think that's that kind of disciplinary literacy in math is so germane to the understanding of mathematical concepts. So in other words, rereading is is an important tool for students to have when they read you know, math um, concepts or when they're trying to understand certain operations or, or mathematical proof. Yeah, and it's really interesting that, that uh, as opposed to some of the other disciplines that, that, that were mentioned um, and attending to precision, you know, being an, an important math standard as well. Um, I found that particularly striking. Yeah, you know, what's, what's problematic in, 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 in the traditional math instruction is that um, we ignore some of these vocabulary words that are important for students to understand when they're solving um, word problems. And, and this is particularly problematic for students with special needs and, and students who learn English. So it would be really, you know, like... Um, for example, the word difference, right? So, and that conjures different understanding of when when it's it's you know, when they read that in a problem. So, okay. so words that word have problem. multiple meanings, right? Right. Um, and but there are some words, like, for example, more than, greater than, less than, um, and it was just implicitly taught, maybe in elementary, but. But I, I, you know, what I'm saying. I mean, there are some higher order uh, words that that need to be explicitly taught in as as a vocabulary tool for these students. Because once they get all these vocabulary words, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be the same um, whatever problem word problem they encounter. So in the first year of the study. The authors here they spoke with teachers. They spoke with the disciplinary uh, ex with discipline experts mm-hmm. um, to try to understand really the needs of needs of teachers. Is that right? right? Is that what you right. would say? Yeah, yeah. And um, and one of those things was like you mentioned with the math teacher who said, mm-hmm. you know, we really need to be able to for our students to attend to precision, to understand the precise meaning of words, to be able to read in a very close way. Right. And then uh, they found out that each discipline had rather different different norms, different uh, standards, different expectations. Right. And I, and I like that the way they uh, frame chemistry and literacy here. So I'm going to quote from this article. So, so when, when reading prose, they were visualizing, writing down formulas, or if a diagram or a chart were on the page going back and forth between the graph and the chart. So one chemist explained, 
they give you the structure, the structure of the sensor is given. So I was looking at the picture as I was reading and I tried to relate what was in the picture to what they were saying about how mercury binds to one part of the mole molecule. I guess when I read that, I think that, you know, it's interesting how I mean, chemistry can be very visual, I think, especially when you do, well, later on when you do organic chemistry, I don't think mm -hmm. chemistry at the high school level is so visual. Um, I'm glad to see it is, though, in the minds of you know many instructors. I do find it so interesting, though, that how math, the mathematicians and the scientists, you know, are able to are are seeing the need to their students in, in different ways, uh, the way they need to manipulate formulas um, and information, you know, very differently. And especially mm -hmm. when compared to like the historians, which is on the next page, yeah. when they're concerned about bias, they're concerned about where information comes from. Because in mm -hmm. math and science, that's really not a concern, you know, uh, especially at the, you know, in the high school level, we mm -hmm. don't judge text. We don't have to, you know, decide if a text is important or not because, or if a text is, um, has bias, we just, we just accept that the math text is you know, it is what it is. It's true. So, uh, you know, obviously there's some exceptions when you have to, when you're doing experiments, you want to be sure that you're using good techniques, but it's such a different thing than history where you have to be careful of interpretations and bias and who's doing the interpret interpreting. So I, I think that's an important point that when we think about disciplinary literacy, the question is how do we create knowledge in history? in in science or in math in history it really relies heavily on document analysis whether it's primary or secondary source um, and 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 we look at the source we interrogate the source and and is it believable you know is it reliable and we look at not just one source but different sources and 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 assess the 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 believability of each document and look at how one document differs or, 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 or is it similar to another document. And then you establish that corroboration, that corroboration of facts are very important in the study of, you know, historical thinking. Uh, you know, the traditional way of teaching history is just, you know, read a text, memorize, dead people's name or or dates and places and a little bit of you know a, a analysis of the consequences and, and and causes and effects of the of, of the events but there was no deeper analysis of is this is this source reliable mm -hmm. well we need to understand that history is an interpretation so when it's an interpretation, that means there are many different perspectives. So there is no one single fact in history, but there are multiple facts. It just depends on who wrote the text. Yeah. So, so that is the idea of disciplinary literacy in history. Now, what is disciplinary literacy in chemistry? So how do kids create knowledge from the text that they read. Well, unlike historians, um, chemists or scientists for that matter, they, you know, they, they create knowledge through in experimentation. That, that, that experimentation is, is central 
to the study of chemistry as opposed to the understanding of sourcing in history. You know, I, it'd be interesting to see the to listen to the perspective of a, of a science teacher. You know, my sense is that labs at high school or middle school level level are more about observation and learning and sort of way of observing the things that you're reading about in the book because you're not really learning anything you're just you're reading something in the book and you're making observations upon it or you're making inferences you know there's no real learning going on unless you're doing research at a university um, there's nothing new about it. it's just that's where the real learning is is from is out of a book at that level at the lower level um, I, I think I think this idea of CER, what is your claim based on what you've observed and, and what is the evidence to your claim and give me some reasoning. I think that, that the whole understanding of CER as a framework to develop knowledge is, is, is an important aspect of digital uh, of, of disciplinary literacy i keep on saying digital literacy yeah i know but i'm gonna <laughs> kind of i'm gonna push back on you on that one okay okay, okay. so and the reason i am and i'm gonna go to this lessons learned of the second year and and okay. tell you kind of why the lessons learned in the second year they talk about some specific strategies that teachers um, either came up with or were able to uh, pursue in their classes. Okay. Um, found out that some of them were reluctant to do certain strategies and, you know, finally did adopt a few or try out a few. One of them that the math, uh, the math team, somebody talked about taking notes with a, a big idea and creating columns and, you know, doing a big idea and making different diagrams or graphs and or illustrate somehow. Uh, what the big idea was that they were setting and connecting. So sort of doing some sort of thematic or uh, maybe even summarizing the idea that was on, that, on, on the unit. But as they go through in this article, as they go through and talk about the strategies that each of the disciplines came up with, they make an observation in the end. And the observation is that none of these disciplines took to some sort of generalized literacy approach, like a KWL chart, which is what they named specifically, or like the one I think you're naming too, this the claim and evidence and response um, framework of, of, of writing or of responding to. I think that's a very general way that uh, a teacher in this study would not have found useful. Well, you know, that's, that's one of the challenges of when, when there's something new in the field, mm -hmm. teachers are, are, kind of reluctant to embrace that because one it is inconvenient for them mm -hmm. because it's new i mean there's a lot of things that you need to read there's a lot of things that you need to relearn or unlearn and and and, and it takes time it takes time to 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 sink whatever these new concepts or new uh paradigm uh, into your practice and, and remember, this is just the second year. And so who knows, the third year and fourth year, once you start internalizing, you know, th these um, procedures. And once you feel comfortable and, and develop that procedural knowledge, then I think it will show into your practice. Again, even, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to... Um, the study of history even though 
his, the the concept of historical thinking um, that was first introduced by um, by a professor at Stanford, and it and he published this article in in in, in the mid nineties. And how long ago was that? It's almost like twenty years ago. And yet, look at what. How do we study history? It's still heavily based on textbooks rather than under uh, rather than using primary and secondary sources. So it's it's privileging. It's privileging um, rote memorization, and it's still the traditional way of teaching history. And I think this is a good way, good segue for for the next article that we're going to talk about uh, in our in our next series and how is disciplinary literacy in history. So we're going to talk more about you know historical thinking and and how sourcing plays a significant role in in understanding historical narrative. That sounds great. All right. Good way to end. All right. Great. Thank, Thank you, you for this conversation. And I'll, I'll see you next time. And we'll see you next time. You can find links to articles we discussed on this episode and more in our show notes at edpod.tv. You'll also find other information about us and upcoming topics, as well as how to contact the show. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.